Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Cult Radio. Right into this world. All alone. Gotta take your soul. You're on your own The crow flies straight Welcome to Way in Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, March 9th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash tarvino. Or follow us on Twitter, at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and welcome to Way in Sports Talk. It is Sunday, and my clock's already messed up. It says it's 8.31, but it sure doesn't feel like it's that late. So maybe we'll have more energy in this show since it's not too late. Trey, hope everything's good with you. How are you, how are you doing, bud? Doing well, doing well. I've got my two kids here, so uh, it's kind of a family affair for the show tonight, Tarvin, but everything's going well. Oh, good. Well, a lot to talk about tonight. Again, until we get into the meat of a lot of things going on, we're going to do an hour show. So I hope that's okay with you. Uh, March Madness is getting close. We're going to talk about that tonight, some of the conference matchups, conference tourneys, who's in the bubble who's not even close to being on the bubble tray is what I want to talk about as well. A lot going on in the NBA. And you know how I've always said, Trey, that the NBA seems a little rigged to me sometimes. And how in the world does Oklahoma City lose to the Lakers? How does that happen? Please explain that to me. Well, I mean, it's definitely rare that a team like the Lakers would have success against the the Thunder, but I mean, you know, the Thunder, I told you a while back that without Kendra Perkins, they're a different defensive team, and one of the things you saw in that game was the lack of inside, you know, defensive presence, and uh, Serge Ibaka can't sort of do it all, so, uh, you know, Kendra uh, per, uh, Perkins is, is a big loss for them, and I think you're seeing that um, in some of those games, like the one we saw today. Well, Trey, you could put either you, me, whoever you want to in that lineup in Perkins plays. And, and the OKC Thunder should still be able to beat the Lakers, man. I'm not buying that Perkins dude, one loss. Who cares? It's the Lakers, for God's sake. They lose by 50 to the Clippers a couple of nights ago, and now they come and beat OKC on a Sunday. It just, I don't know. OKC should be embarrassed. But there's another team in the NBA I want your thoughts on. All of a sudden, the Indiana Pacers are looking up, and they've lost six games in a row, Trey. This was a team everybody's saying that could beat Miami in a seven-game series, but six in a row, they're getting blown out at Dallas tonight, about to make it seven in a row. What's going on with the Indiana Pacers? Well, with them, I think, Tarvin, it's one of those things that they're just getting cold at the wrong time. I mean, you know, you, you never know what the uh, – what the magic formula is, but it certainly doesn't look like they have it figured out right now. I mean, you talk about 
this is not the time of the year where I mean, it's okay if you drop a couple out of ten uh, just to get help for your arrestor guys, but to drop this many, Tarvin, it says something's going on. And, I, and you know, maybe it's you know Paul George. Um, you know, maybe he's cooling off long season. Uh, yeah, but I don't really know. I mean, I can't put my finger on it. I've been looking at the, I haven't watched the games, but I've been looking at the box scores, and it just doesn't certainly doesn't look like uh, their shooters are shooting as well as they should. Well, what concerned me is, you know, before they started this road trip out west, they played Charlotte, and and they lost to Charlotte by what was it, like twenty two points. I mean, you don't lose to Charlotte by twenty two, but Houston. Friday night, took them behind the woodshed and beat them by about 26. And they're, they're losing games pretty big. I mean, the West is a lot stronger, we know, uh, than the East. But still, if you're the Indiana Pacers right now, it's not a time to start losing six, seven in a row. That's going to affect you later on. You need something to pull away from Miami because, trade the Miami Heat, they're not, they're not hot either. So, I mean, I guess if Indiana's losing, they picked a good time because, Miami seems like they can't find the basket either. Yeah, I mean Dwayne Wade's been hurt. Uh, you know LeBron James uh, showed in that sixty-point win, you know, game that he at least can you know bring that elite scorer. But um, you know they just seem to to be missing Dwayne Wade an awful lot. And, you know whether Dwayne Wade's going to miss time in the postseason or they're resting him off, and we'll have to see about that one. But I mean it certainly is uh, for Miami and Indiana. You're not seeing a team really going high. It really doesn't matter what anybody else does in the East. Yeah, I'm not concerned with Miami, really, until someone steps up and actually shows me they can beat them in a seven-game series. I'm just going to just trust that they're trying to rest themselves and save themselves. But the Pacers, one team that, that really concerned me, I just wanted to throw that out there with you real quick. Get your thoughts on that. But, hey, it's not too long from now that the NBA playoffs will start. I think we could have some exciting first-round matchups this year, Trey, and uh, I want to do a complete breakdown pretty soon of the NBA once we get closer to the playoffs, but I don't know that West is wide open, just like we talked about Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, the West is obviously wide open. I mean, the East, not so much. I mean, you and I have talked about the East. I mean, there's really no nothing to talk about until Indiana and obviously uh, Miami meet what we assume is going to be the conference championship. Well, we'll keep you posted in the NBA, and if anybody wants to call in tonight, 646-716-5564. Trey, I gave this number out in a meeting the other day with a client, told them to call this number, and uh, they called, and the radio show was going to start in about 10 hours. So I've said this number so many times, I I can't get it out of my head. Again, 646-716-5564. Join us in the chat room tonight. We're about to get started in some college basketball tray and I don't know how much you got to watch today but we had some exciting games on today this last weekend of of the regular season I mean I think sometimes people take this this week for granted this is where teams can start getting hot especially those bubble teams and make a statement just like Nebraska's at home tonight playing Wisconsin they can get a win tonight Trey Nebraska's going to be dense yeah, I mean, Nebraska, obviously, this is their big shot to pull, uh, to push their ticket. I mean, they need that win. Wisconsin has got wins over, I think, three or four uh, conference champions. So a win over Wisconsin would be huge for Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska is one of those teams that they struggled in the Big Ten. They were below 500 for a while. They, they, they've they made a tear of late. And this is, just like you said, this is a the chance for them to come in and say, okay, we're worthy of being in the tournament. When I watched Nebraska play tonight, Trey, 
I mean, I don't really like what I see a lot with them. I think they're a little too wild when they're going to the holes and they, they force a lot of shots. But, you know, when they're falling, it's great. But when you're playing a team like Wisconsin that you can jump out on a big lead at home to and they can keep their composure and come back and just grind you away, um, that's what's going to hurt Nebraska. So your thoughts, is Nebraska going to end up winning tonight and possibly making a tournament? If they do not win tonight, what do they have to do to, to get into the tournament? Well, I mean, I think tonight they need a win, uh, but they're going to need, I think, some help in the tournament as well for the Big Ten. I mean, they're one in five against the top 25. That's a lot of teams in the Big Ten are, are, are you know, have been ranked this year. Uh, one and two against 26 to 50. You know, when you start getting, um, you know, they have a couple bad losses. Um, but you know, what you like at Wisconsin, they play a pretty tough schedule. They're in the top, what, I think, 36 or top 40 in schedule. In RPI, so I mean, this is a team that's played a pretty tough schedule. So I think a win tonight, Tarvin, is pretty much guarantees it. I mean, not a guarantee, and obviously they they lose, have a bad tournament loss uh, in the Big Ten tournament, but they're certainly going to need a lot more help in the tournament if they don't win tonight. So I've heard of several coaches talk about confidence. Hey, Tarvin, can you hear me, buddy? Yeah, I'm sorry. I accidentally hung up the phone, but I'm sorry about that. What I was trying to say is a lot of people think the tournaments, the conference tournaments, should be eliminated, really. You know, college basketball is such a long season. There's so many games. And I want your thoughts on the tournament. Are you a fan of having the tournaments at the end of the season, or do you wish they would just start March Madness right away? I am a fan of the conference tournament because it does give you a little bit um, of an inclination of what a team might be in the, in the postseason when it comes down to March Madness. It gives you an idea of which team is a tournament team because, I mean, let's be honest, sometimes a great regular season team don't equate to the tournament style play. So, I mean, it gives you a shot to see some of those bubble teams that are, you know, that sometimes just go on a run. I, mean, I, I just can think of UConn a few years ago with Kemba Walker, uh, and they were just tore through the Big East that year. And then they tore through the tournament as well, and they were kind of one of those teams that going in, we, you know, you kind of scratched your head at, and you weren't sure what they were. Uh, and there's some other teams like that too, Tarvin. So I like to think that you know, the tournaments are a really good shot for us to see which teams might have that that it factor um, that we didn't have an eye on before. Well, the, the thing, like like I'm thinking of this tournament, the SEC tournament. Trey, Florida went 18 and 0 in the SEC to win it. They're obviously the number one seed and the number one seed in the big dance here. But what if Florida comes out their first game, Trey, and they lose and get embarrassed in the SEC tournament? Are they still a number one seed? Well, I mean, probably. Um, but, I mean, the thing is, is you got to take into account that, you know, the SEC's weakness that they went out and struggled in the tournament uh, and say they got routed by, I don't know, I don't know who they're going to play in the seeding, but, you know, some, some lower seed. Uh, it's going to matter. Now, if they get, they get beat by a bubble team in the SEC in the second round or third round, that's different, Tarvin. But, you know, if yeah. they go out and lose somebody who we know um, is not going to be in the tournament, then that will affect their seeding potentially, depending on how some of the other teams finish in their tournament. And remember, there's not uh, – we have one for sure number one at this point, and that's Wichita State, and that's because they just won uh, their tournament and they finished 34-0. I mean, so we know they're in as a one. Uh, but there are other teams, Tarvin, that, you know, I mean, we think Arizona might be. We think, you know, we think, um, you know, we think there's probably going to be one in the ACC, whether it be Duke or Syracuse, possibly, depending on how that – but, you know, you just don't know. 
Uh, the Big Ten will probably, you know, who knows, Tarvin, the Big Ten tournament will also have a have an effect on this as well. Well, how do you feel about regular season champions, let's say Michigan in the Big Ten, and, and who else was it, Virginia in the ACC? You look at those two teams and you have Wisconsin is, I think, third place in there, could be a one seed in the tournament. And then you, you look, you look over here at the ACC and you see Duke's possibly going to get a one seed, and you have Virginia winning the turn, winning the regular season. What are your thoughts about that? I, I think they need to weigh the regular season champion a little more. I think Duke's getting too much credit because of their name, really. Well, I mean, I think, that again, we're going to have to look at the tournament. You're right. I mean, Duke, Duke won the ACC tournament. Uh, they're going to get the one seed over Virginia. I mean, even if Virginia finishes second, I mean, it's just the way it will happen. Um, because, I mean, I think when you look at, um, you know, past success, you look at that tournament-style play, and also, I mean, you're right, Duke is getting a brand-name uh, sort of bump as well. I mean, it happens with a lot, you know, some of the bigger college basketball schools, Kentucky, Arizona, they sort of get the brand-name, uh, sometimes bump, but they don't deserve it. And Duke this year, you know, I don't know if they deserve a number one seed. I think you're right. Yeah, I'm going to tell you how how weak the SEC is. There's 14 teams in the SEC for anybody out there listening that doesn't know. And the only ranked team in the SEC is Florida. They're the number one seed. Look, Kentucky's number two seed. They've been waxed here of late, trade. They're not even ranked anymore. I mean, I know a lot of people argue this is the SEC is better than you think. I mean, for anybody out there saying the SEC is stronger than what it looks, what would you tell them out there? Well, I mean, yeah, you look at. I mean, it's kind of like the the BCS debate when other you know, conferences are saying you know they're better than you think. I mean, I think the SEC is about. You know, it looks like they're about seventh. I mean, if they're better than I think, they may be fifth in the conference stream. That's not saying a whole lot, Harvard. I mean, this is not a a conference that, that is competitive with the big three or four conferences this year. Um, so, I mean, do, are they better than I think? I mean, it's possible that there are two conference spots up, but um, and this is not an elite conference. And none of these bubble, bubble teams in the SEC, I mean, if you watch them play and then you watch bubble teams from other conferences play, I mean, they, they just don't look as impressive to me. I mean, I look at Arkansas, and, yeah, they swept Kentucky this year, Tarvin, but what else have they done? <laughs> Jonathan is with us, and Jonathan, thanks for joining us on the show. I mean, what are your opinions on the? What's your opinion on the SEC? Is it really that bad? I mean, Florida, are they that good, or has the SEC just sucked this year? Don't get me wrong, Florida is a great team this year. Um, I, they are fantastic. I love the, the senior play, the depth they have. This is a Final Four team in my eyes, especially after three Elite Eight runs. You know. I think they finally will break through and get to the Final Four this year. But the SEC, the rest of the conference, is average at best. I mean, Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, I think are average teams. And maybe I'm giving Tennessee and Missouri a little bit too much love from, you know, their past history, the past four or five years. Um, But Alabama's terrible. I mean, yeah, the SEC is really weak this year. I don't think they're in my top five conferences. I think the Mountain West Conference is better than the SEC this year. Uh, and that, you know, the Big East, the new Big East, I think the American Athletic is, is better. It's very interesting to see how, mm-hmm. you know, far this conference fell considering the powerhouse names they have. Yeah, and Trey, out there, you're looking at the conference tournaments right now. I know you'll be watching as well as, well as I will. What conference tournament are, do you have your eyes on right now and why? 
Uh, you know, I think there's a, there's several tarvin. Um, one is I think the ACC. Cause I'm really curious about which team uh, might make that run, and, and because there's a couple teams out there in the ACC, I think could be legitimate uh, elite eight teams if if they got hot at the right time. You know, but I, I, one of the ones maybe people maybe aren't thinking of is the the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. You got Cincinnati, who's really intriguing, and I'm really curious how they're going to play. And they had a couple other teams in that conference. I think Tarvin that they could be sneaky in the tournament as well. And then always, I think I think this year, I think the best conference to watch just in general is going to be the Big Ten. You have just so many ranked teams uh, in the Big Ten basketball conference, and I think a lot of those teams could be the Michigan. I mean, look at the depth that conference has. I mean, you don't know which team's going to be Michigan like they were last year. It just goes on that run. I mean, it could be Wisconsin this year. They put such a tough schedule, but heck, Tarvin, who knows? Well, Jonathan, I'm looking at it, and I'm I'm really looking at that ACC tournament, and and the reason I'm watching that one, I want to see how Duke plays if they can stay hot. I want to see how how Syracuse really rebounds coming into the tournament. You know, they've been cold of late. Then the main thing I want to see is how good is this Virginia team, and and I think they're a good team, Jonathan. But I think we're going to really find out if they can win this conference tournament right here. I mean, what 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 seed would you give them? If Virginia, the Virginia team I've seen this year, I think team. I think their coach has done a fantastic job. I think if Virginia wins the ACC tournament, they have earned the right to be a one seed. Uh, to mm-hmm. the play they, the way they have to suffer only one conference loss, I think they've earned that right. They've played fantastic basketball. The ACC is one of the premier conferences in college basketball, one of the best conferences you'll find this year, uh, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I look at it, you know, people debate this, Trey. You look at RPIs and they talk about the Big 12, but the two best basketball conferences to me, when I watch them play, when I when I go through and, and look at everything, the Big 10 and the ACC, I don't, I don't really think any other conference compares to those two. I'm excited to see both of those. I won't even watch the SEC tournament. That's terrible. The Pac-12, really, Arizona, if they want to play, They'll, they'll play and they'll win it, but who knows? They lost to Oregon last night. But, man, it's the ACC and it's the Big Ten, Trey. Any, anybody else really doesn't count to me right now. Yeah, I think the Big 12, you, you, we talked about them previously. I really do think there are a lot of solid teams. They're up there in top conferences for sure. We know they're number one in RPI. But there's some really cool teams in the, in the Big 12, which I, I think are going to be – uh, possible Sweet 16 type teams, that, you know, like the Iowa State. I mean, you just don't know. There's some of these teams out there that have such legitimate wins, and you kind of wonder how they do it. Uh, and and the Big 12 has a couple of them, so it's hard. We'll have to see. And then the Big 12. I mean, there's a lot of conferences to be interested in. But I think you know, if I had to add a, another one and put you know, with the list you have, it's the Big 12 as well. I think those, you know, the ACC, the Big 10, the AAC, and the Big 12 would be the four my four conference tournament watches. Well, Jonathan, the Kentucky Wildcats in the SEC, they've disappeared of late. They they played Florida yesterday, almost came back and made it a game, and then they got blew out. What does Kentucky need to do to, to get some kind of momentum heading into this tournament? Because if it started this week, Kentucky would be doomed, really. Is there a chance that they could get hot in this SEC tournament and make a run in March here, or April, too? Kentucky's problem is they're not – they're not really playing fundamental team basketball. It's a lot of selfish guys going out there. A lot of stars are going out there. You know, guys trying to improve their draft stock. 
And that's their biggest problem right now, is guys are playing for draft stock and not for a championship. Uh, unless we see a culture change overnight with Calipari, who has, I mean, he has reeled in some teams full of, you know, me, me, me guys and done wondrous things with them. But unless he can really, wheel, you know, reel these guys in and get them to commit to playing team ball, which I think if they do, you were talking about the mo- probably the most talented team in college basketball, you know, that's the only way Kentucky can get in. But I, I, I honestly don't see that happening. I think Kentucky is an eight or nine seed at this point, and that's more based off the name recognition and the hype that they've received all year. Um, and they may get bounced out uh, first round. Well, guys, I'm going to make a prediction here. You may laugh, but even though the SEC is weak, and, and you tell me true or false, Trey, the SEC will have two teams in the Sweet 16 this year. Uh, false. I think I think it's going to be one. I, I don't see Kentucky. I think they may be an eight or nine seed and get bounced in the second round at, at the at the latest. Jonathan, false or true? I'm going to have to decide which answer that's false. Um, I mean, it, it always depends on the draw, but I have a hard time seeing Kentucky get out of the opening weekend. And, you know, Missouri or Tennessee, whichever one gets in, I, I, I don't believe either one of those teams can actually get it done. I've yet to be impressed by either one of those teams on a consistent basis. It seems like they can put one good game together, maybe a second one, but when it comes, you know, really that second game, you'll see them peter out in the second half. And I, I don't understand um, what's really lacking between those two schools, but that's been the biggest problem I've seen. What about Arkansas? What's their tell us their status right now? A bubble team, possibly. What what if they get in this tournament and and I, I think they're capable of winning two games. Oh, Arkansas, that, that's a team they intrigue me. Um, they play they have played extremely well at home. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But on the road, they've been kind of iffy, and that makes me a little nervous about playing them in a tournament. Uh, really, again, it really depends on the draw. But let's say Arkansas gets in on a 12 seed. I would not be shocked if they beat a five, and then possibly knock off the four. It always depends on the draw. I'm always, you know, I'm always going to keep going back to that. Um, but I mean, Arkansas is a team that can get hot and get going. Yep, they they could. I mean, they're a they're a team like you said. They get hot. They hit those threes. They're a very unorthodox. They play it fast, Jonathan. And teams like that, all you have to do is get hot one weekend play good basketball, mm-hmm. and in and and high school, I mean, any time I play sports, I mean, tournaments, no matter what, especially basketball, anything can happen. You can be the last mm-hmm. seed, play eight, play in a one in a, in a county tournament or something and win it all as an eight seed, but let's talk about Wichita State a moment, Jonathan. Perfect season. I know nobody's giving these guys any love right now, but you have to take your hats off that team that can go undefeated. No team has done this since UNLV. I think, what were they, 33-0 and one year, 34-0, and something like that. But this Wichita State team is going to be dangerous in the tournament. I just think they play very well together. And, I mean, guys, I mean, chemistry means a lot, doesn't it? Oh, I agree. I think Wichita State coming off a Final Four run, returning seven of their top, uh, uh, top ten players from that last year's squad. You know, a very, very good point guard, underrated point guard, uh, God, his name is slipping me right now. This Wichita State team, I think, is very dangerous. You know, at, with teams that have gone 34-0, if you look at the history, these are teams that make it to the Final Four. These are, you know, going 34-0 basketball is not easy. You know, people need to realize that. There are nights where those shots just won't fall. And we've seen that Wichita State, but they will gut it out. There were a lot of times this year where Wichita State, 
you would bet against them in the first half, essentially, because it, it almost seemed like there were nights where they were slow and they just couldn't get it going. But in the second half of games, Wichita State has another gear. They play aggressive. They play angry. They can get it done. I'm very excited to see how this team performs and if they can duplicate last year's success. Well, Jonathan, you know, picking picking college football games, sorry if you hear a, an eight-pound dog in the background somewhere, but he's pissed <laughs> off in there somewhere. But, you know, when you when you pick basketball games or you bet basketball, Jonathan, you see these big lead fluctuations, especially in, you know, the first half, you team up 20, then all of a sudden they're, they're fighting for their life at the end. And I, I think that's what – Wichita State, you said it best. You know, they're a second-half team. They they can hit another gear. And playing angry is going to help them. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but how hard is it to pick these college basketball games with a spread? Oh, it can be, oh, it can be extremely, extremely difficult. Um, I mean, the best success I've found this year is if you think a team's going to win, you might as well pick them to cover. Uh, I've had, I had great success with that last weekend. Um, you're going uh, seven. I went 37 and 11 over the last weekend. Just you know, if you think a team's going to win, odds are they're going to cover the spread. It's it's amazing how this time of the year that'll happen it, it, because the spreads get smaller. And that's the big thing about the tournament. Spreads are going to be tight. You're going to see one or two point spreads a lot. Three, you know, one possession games. And if you think a team's going to win, you might as well take them to cover. You know, it, it's almost like college football. There are times where you just look at it and go. That team's going to win the game. I don't care how big that spread is. They're probably going to cover it. It's, you know, this time of the year, the spreads become a little more favorable. It's just, can you pick the right team to win? Because it's a neutral court now. Once we get to these tourneys, conference tourneys included, it becomes a neutral court. So you got to mm-hmm. take out the home and road splits out of this. It's who is the better team. And I want to get some advice out there to people with their brackets this year when you get them and, and, and you see those 12-5 matchups, Jonathan, and you see – uh, a 12 seed is only a two-point underdog to a five seed. Well, Vegas knows something there that, that the public filling out their bracket is going to pick the higher-ranked team, you know, the the best-seeded team, the five over the 12. But you'll see that the 14 and three, it'll be about a six-point matchup or something. Uh, you have to study mm-hmm. these point spreads. You have to know what Vegas is, is thinking, too, because it's all about matchups. That's all the tournament is. How do you match up against this opponent? How strong is the bracket you're in, guys? That's really all that matters. Trey, are you back? Yeah, I'm back, man. All right, good. So, hey, real real quick on basketball, I don't know if you got a chance to see North Carolina and Duke last night. Yeah, I caught some of that. So, watching North Carolina, you know, they've been hot for a while. Would it surprise you if they're they're eliminated in the first round? And uh, I guess and obviously it depends on the seeding, but yeah, I think they might be built for the tournament. We'll have to see. And they seem to be gelling now without their you know their best player, and they just didn't figure it all out uh, after his suspension. Uh, but you know, I think North Carolina is one of those teams. You know, talk about, talk about the ACC. Uh, we'll see what they're made of when it comes down to conference, conference play. Because um, you're right, man. I don't really know what to make of them right now. Well, the problem I have with North Carolina is I don't think they can score. They can't shoot. They can get inside and they can score some there. But, Jonathan, North Carolina struggles hitting jump shots. And is this the worst Carolina team you've seen in a long time that's shooting the ball? Yeah, actually, you know, thinking about it, yeah, because last year's squad could shoot the three pretty well. Um, They could hit you outside. They couldn't get inside. This year's squad, 
it seems like they've had struggles once you get past 20 feet from the rim. You know, it, it, it's all going to rely on Marcus Page, their, their point guard. If you look at his splits, in the first half he's averaging somewhere around six points. In the second half he's averaging right around 13. It's, you know, he can't explain it. You know, you ask him, he goes, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. It's what happens. You know, he's very important. And North Carolina is a team that confuses me because there are times where you look at them and go, oh, they should win this game hands down, and they're losing. They're, you know, the way they lost the UAB earlier in the year, when they lost to North Carolina State, you're sitting there going, what's going on here? But then they'll beat Michigan State. They'll beat Kentucky. They'll beat Louisville. They'll beat Duke. And, and you, you scratch your head and go, well, which, which is the real North Carolina team, the one that loses UAB in North Carolina State or the one that beats Michigan State, you know, and Duke? I, I don't know which, what to make of this team. Um, I've always said that they need a lower seat. I, I, for some reason, I believe they need a lower seating so that they play with a chip on their shoulder because I think when they get a little confidence and swagger, they tend to fall on their face, and that's what I, I've seen this year. I could be wrong. And if you can't shoot, you, you can't win, really. And I think in this tournament, it's going to be very important. Every team you play is going to be good. They wouldn't be in the tournament if they weren't good. So Roy Williams, mm-hmm. man, he's got his work cut out for him. I'm going to predict North Carolina probably won at the most. They'll win one game at max. I don't even, depending on their matchup, I'll have to look at it. But this could be a real short tournament for Roy Williams, back to the drawing board, back to recruiting. So, Trey, we're going to keep covering basketball this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Selection Sunday next week on our show. We're going to be able to, to go through the bracket and look at the teams, any surprises. Uh, but we're going to move off of college basketball real quick. And, Trey, I want to get with you first on this. We're going to move to college football. Um, the the rule with the uh, – I'm sorry, I've, I've lost my place here. The targeting rule changed, Trey. Now they're going to go back into this rule and they're going to remove the penalty. So if they call a targeting foul on you, they flag you 15 yards last year, they would review it. And if you didn't get ejected and it wasn't targeting, they did not pick up the flag last year. This year they're going to pick up the flag. I just want to know your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it's the right thing to do. I mean, they clearly needed to make that change. It was ridiculous to have a guy who wasn't targeting um, sometimes. And, and I think what sometimes we, sometimes we saw it wasn't even a personal penalty. Sorry. Um, but I think part of the make point is, is I think you still could have a non-targeting personal penalty, a personal foul, but uh, we'll have to see how that plays out, and I'll go off here a second. Yeah, Jonathan, I, I don't know why they would throw the, the penalty anyway, and the way I look at it is as an official where you don't you don't call what you don't see. And, and the way mm-hmm. I look at it, these officials are throwing flags last year and they didn't see it. They were guessing. They were thinking that they, mm-hmm. they were hitting the head or something. That's my problem. The officials are so lazy in football, it's pathetic. So my, I don't even know why they had the rule like that last year, but this year now they're going to actually pick it up. What are your thoughts? Well, I think they finally got it right. I, I, I believe, you know, the targeting penalty exists for a reason. If you leave your feet and you're launching headfirst into somebody else's helmet, you need to be flat. Um and I think that now they can review it and reverse the penalty. I think it's huge. It, but it also opens, you know, it opens the door now. Can we go back? Can we challenge pass interference calls? You know, can we challenge, you know, certain block in the back? I mean, it's very interesting now that they're doing this. The, the door they just opened for maybe a future down the road where you can challenge other penalties. I think it's a great idea. It's a great stepping stone right now. Um, you know, to um, if you know you reverse it and say this guy wasn't targeting him, 
that, um, you know, we got to take the penalty off the board. Because last year there were so many times we sit there and go, well, why, why, why are we tying him on the 15 yards? He's not being ejected because he wasn't called for targeting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't understand it. And it can really change momentum of games. You know, and I think you're right. Officials did get lazy at times and go, well, I think he did it. I didn't really see it, but I'm guessing. And you can't do that. You either see it or you didn't. If you didn't see it, you can't call it. Yeah, and it was, I'll give you an example. I was calling a game yesterday in high school, and it was softball, and the way their fence is made, you know, umpires, home plate umpires, you're taught not to look up on a foul ball. You know, the ones that come back or go straight up, you're taught not to look back. You're to lead, to follow the catcher in a way and see what they do. Well, the ball hit the fence. It didn't really change the trajectory, and the first baseman caught it. Well, I called him out. I asked my partner, did you see it? And he's like, no, I didn't. And the coach was like, that was obvious. Couldn't you hear it? And I'm like, well, I didn't see it. That's the key. I did not see that ball hit the fin, so it's an out. So, I mean, if you cannot see it, you're trained. Do not call it. Same as basketball. It doesn't matter what sport you're in. And the SEC is one of the worst about letting the fans and letting the crowd actually dictate what's going to be thrown. But I think it's a great rule, at least, at least college football, Jonathan, is showing there they can go out and make changes to mistakes. You know, that's one thing I'll applaud them on. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I, you know, I, I agree 100% with that statement. It, it, it really does, you know, impress me that they're willing to go this far. Maybe the NFL is willing to follow their lead. Yeah, and it's, maybe maybe we can get all this worked out and, and maybe they won't try to slow the game down too much, but... You know, David Shaw, is that Stanford's coach, isn't it, David Shaw? Yes, sir. Well, they came out, he, he had an opinion on uh, early signing for college football. He's he's really against that, Jonathan. And what I want to talk about just for a minute or two is early signing in college football, you know, recruiting so big. And these kids wait till signing day, they flip-flop. What are your thoughts on early signing period? Is this, is this going to benefit the Alabamas and LSUs of the world, Florida State, some of these great recruiting programs, or is it going to benefit some of the smaller schools? I think it will benefit some of the smaller schools because we've seen it time and time again. A kid will commit to, you know, let's say USF, and at the time he's rated a two-star. Then all of a sudden recruiting rankings, they start paying attention, picking up on them and go, well, this kid's really a four-star prospect. And then Florida State, Alabama, and all of them come knocking on his door. Next, you know, the kid flips. Uh, you know, because we've seen it, you know, multiple times where Alabama's, Florida State's, LSU's, they will make a late push and be able to get a kid. You know, if you take that option off the board and the kid signs early, there's nothing those schools can do. So I, I, I kind of like the idea, and uh, you know, because it'll cut down the flip-flopping, and I think that's what frustrates a lot of these programs is how these kids are so noncommittal until they have to be committal. Um, and even then you don't know what they're really doing. But at the same time, I understand where David Shaw is coming from, coming from, you know, and he's at Stanford where recruiting already is, you know, he's already behind the eight ball, if you think about it, where he's having to sell academics more than he is a football program nowadays, you know, because of the way that school's set up. Trey, what do you think about this early signing period? Are you, are you for it or against it? Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm about to stay off. All right, I'll... I'll, I'll. Trades, they call him Mr. Mom now, Jonathan. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it, right? 
That's right. If I had two kids like Trey did right now, I don't know if I'd be trying to jump out of a window. I, I know I might not be trying to do a basketball show. <laughs> that would be tough. Or a, a sports <laughs> show. So, Trey, you are the man, dude. Trey's got a full-time job in the military, lawyers, got two kids, a wife, dogs. I mean, he he does it all, man. And I want to thank him for coming on and trying to attempt to do a show with us because, man, I know when I have a kid soon, it's going to be uh, – I don't know, Jonathan. It might be weight in sports instead of weigh in sports because, whew, I don't know those sleepless nights. But but I want to talk about, like, when a kid commits early, Jonathan, say he commits early and everything and he wants out of it, that's where the problem, that's where it's going to be the issue is what rules do you have in place to to allow that? Because, you know, you go on a trip, Jonathan, they, they sell you at Florida State, they bring out their finest women to, to spend the night with you, and all of a sudden you sign. And then the next thing you know is, whoops, I made a mistake. I mean, how do you see this shaping out if they do this early signing? Well, I, I think you, you, if a kid commits and there's no changes to a program, and he wants out, I think you kind of look at him and go, come on now, why? Why now? You know, what, what, why Why are you willing to flip now? But if, let's say a kid commits to Vanderbilt and James Franklin leaves and goes to Penn State, which, you know, he did, but a kid already signed early to Vanderbilt, well, let's be honest. You know, James Franklin said it. You're selling the kids to the coaches, essentially, saying, I will take care of your son. You're not really selling them to the school as much you know, as they used to. Because now the parents have to be comfortable giving their kid to you. So I think if a coach leaves, I think you then have to, be, you have to allow the kid to open up his recruiting again. It's only fair because maybe that kid really was sold on the coach and not necessarily the program. You know, and maybe he wants to follow that coach. And I think that's where you know, it but, does get a little difficult. See, that's where I have a problem, Jonathan, is a kid should not commit to a coach because you saw if you like Gene Chizik at Auburn, oh, he won a national championship. I love Gene Chizik. He's awesome. And then the next year he goes 3-9 and and gets fired. I mean, you cannot commit to a coach. And I I wish kids would quit doing that. Commit to a school. Commit commit to Florida State, not Jimbo Fisher. Commit to Auburn, not Gus Malzahn. Alabama, not Nick Saban, because that's where the the problem lies. But it, it would cut down on some of this this crap you see, like the switching at the it's signing day, the money being paid, you know, like it's, it just seems weird how, you know, Auburn and Alabama, Jonathan, you'll see Auburn with some of these big-time recruits for a year, and then all of a sudden, a couple of days before it's signing day, they, they change your cell phone and they, they take a little trip somewhere and they come back committed to the tide. That's where it would mm-hmm. cut that down, and it, it would it would it would stop these games being played between these schools because you know it's a recruiting war. You know Malzahn and Saban are going at it, trying to figure out ways to screw each other. But I I don't know if I'm for this or not, honestly. Uh, but but I do not want to see a kid be able to get out of that that commitment if he signs. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, you know, that, that's one thing is, you know, you have to. But by doing this, you're kind of putting responsibility on the kid, and that's where I think you're also teaching them a lesson. And that's very important in this day and age because, let, let's face it, we, we try not to teach most of these athletes lessons until they get in trouble. Um, you're, you're teaching the kid responsibility. You committed somewhere. You have to go. You can't just sign up for the military, go through basic training, and decide, oh, this sucks, I'm going to leave now. Uh, no, that's not how it works. And, and that's where, well, you know, I think, 
Go ahead. I'm sorry, Cuervo's on the line. Jonathan, you talked about the military right there. And I, I got a question for him, and I'll come back to you, Cuervo. How in the military, if I sign up for the Marines and just say, you, you're coming to get me and it's time to go to basic training and I don't want to go, I mean, do you let kids out like that? Uh, well, first of all, good evening, guys. Um, as much as I wouldn't want to because, like Jonathan was saying, you make a commitment. I mean, and, and when it comes to the military, it's to the point where you sign a contract, all right? These, these mm-hmm. college kids playing sports, they don't sign no contract. All they do is put a freaking yes, they hat do. on. And and, yes, and they do. They do sign a they, See, I didn't, I didn't even know that because I never went to college. But it, letter of intent is what you're talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a contract, isn't there, Jonathan, or am I wrong about that? Oh, no, no, you you sign an LOI. That's pretty much a contract. Just go ahead and ask Matthew Thomas of Florida State when he tried to back out two months after signing it. And we told him, oh, <laughs> I don't think so. Responsibility. You committed to the school. We're not letting you go. What, you know, what do, what do you think? I, you know, and, as, you know, with the military, if my knowledge is correct, Provo, please correct me uh, if I am wrong, but you are you can sign and still not go. As soon as you are sworn in at um at you know at you know your MEPS or whatever whatever have you, that's when you really you can't leave at all. Up until you are sworn in after your physical and all that, you can leave. Am I, am I right? You're you are you are extremely close with that, Jonathan. The the way exactly how it works, there is there are two different swear ins. The first time, you swear into um. But I don't know. I don't know what they call it in other branches, but for us, we call it the delayed entry program. That's the waiting time that you have from the day you the day you sign up, the day you do your physical, mm-hmm. to the day you go to basic. You know, you go to you go to recruit training. The day you go to recruit training, the morning that you are supposed to fly to wherever your training is going to be, you go back to your MEPS, which is which stands for Military Entrance Processing Station. You go up there. You, you, and then you swear it a second time to the actual branch of the military that you're joining. From there, they got you, all right? If you decide to back out at that point, you will have a discharge on your record. You will have a discharge. It's not something where you have the, you know, the, the uh, amnesty period and things like that. But to go back to your, to your original question, Tarvin, yes. As much as I would hate to um, tell this kid, like, oh, yeah, you don't have to go, that is his right. Like, even up to the day of, he doesn't have to go if he doesn't want to. Once, but once he does that second swearing, uh, it's a done deal. So, yeah, I mean, as much as we don't like to tell them that because it is a commitment and we try to teach, you know, these young, these young guys that, you know, your, your word is your bond, they can still back out. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I want to hold the schools accountable, too. I mean, if you offer a kid and he accepts yeah. and somebody, somebody better comes along, I, I, I think you say, sorry, we, we're, this guy's committed here and, and we, we don't have it's any hard. room for you. Because, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I really didn't mean to cut you off. I can wait till you're done. To, but I, but I, have, I have a different way of looking at this. But please, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, we're, we're sitting here and we're talking about whether a, guy, a kid is committed to the school or the coach. 
the way I see it is you have to ask, you have to ask this question: What are these coaches selling? And and, and I think it, mm-hmm. I I don't think it's fair if these coaches are saying I will make sure that you make it to the NFL. I will make sure that you get play on the field. Uh, yes, he is the head coach, and it's his decision. However, it should be, hey, at Florida State, you will get to play. At Florida State, you will, make, you will get drafted in the NFL. Look at all these guys in the past that have come through Florida State and have made it to the NFL. Guys like Wark Dunn. Guys like uh, – didn't Derek Brooks play for uh, Florida State, Jonathan? Yes, if I'm not he, mistaken. Did. he did. He just made the Hall of Fame. You come to Florida State, not, oh, if you come play for Jimbo Fisher. So what are these coaches selling? What are their selling points? And I think that's, that's where it's, it's going wrong because these coaches are selling the wrong thing to these kids. They can't be selling, oh, well, I get to play for – no, you're going to be playing for Florida State University. You're going to play, you'll be playing for Auburn University where, where Bo Jackson, one of the greatest running backs of all time, had he stayed healthy his whole career, played, played at. Guys like, um, yeah, I mean, it, the, the list goes on and on just with those two schools as an example. Man, so, you're, you're firing the, me up over here. Yeah, I mean, no, what are these coaches the selling to these guys? They, they Stop selling the coach. Sell the program. That is your job. Yep. Yep. And these promises that the and the coach leaves and, and these guys want out because the coach is gone. That's that's a mistake. But but look, let's let's look at it. If you want kids to, to keep their words, you you want their word to mean something, you raise them that way, but these these coaches, these schools need to do the same thing because I mean Nick Saban, you know, I'm not trying to bash him tonight, but the way he he puts these kids out, man. If you come in, he promises you the world probably, and then he puts you on your butt if you don't make it really. So his word to me, and I think I don't know how Alabama keeps recruiting the way they are with those episodes, but guys, your words everything. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. But but if I'm a coach and you come to me, you you sign in, in October, signing day February, you come to me with a legitimate reason that you don't want to be there. I don't want you there anyway, but but the, but the rules there are going to be to protect these schools because you have a certain amount of scholarships. You have to you have to have these scholarships to be able to compete. So I think kids, the only way you could get out of it is if a you know your parents were sick or something. Say you were recruited. Say you were committed to California, and and you lived in Alabama, but dad came down with cancer or something. You want to stay. Stuff like that has to be allowed. Cuervo to be able to let these kids back out, but not just because, hey, I changed my mind. I went to a visit to Alabama and I've changed my mind. I want to decommit after you've already signed. That's the issue I have. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and and I've and I've even even with what I do, I've dealt with that before. Where, you know, a kid will come to me and be like, hey, sir, you know, my my mother uh, just was diagnosed with whatever and. I just don't feel comfortable leaving right now. Hey, understood, man. You know, and that's something that I would consider uh, letting somebody out of, you know, their their contract that they signed, the first contract that they signed, and maybe six months down the line, if everything's better, I put him back in. Like that, that's understandable. But I mean, it's not something you know. When it comes to college sports, it is a little bit different. I don't think you can just 
commit to a place, oh, I got family emergency, you'd be commit, then you could just, I don't know if you can recommit to a school or not, but, um, you know, there are circumstances. My thing, you know, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a coach and I'm talking to a kid and he's, he's up, you know, he, like, like say, for example, he's choosing between three or more schools, I'm staying away from that kid because he obviously has, um, you know, he, he not com- committing issues, but, I mean, he's just all over the place when you think about it, guys. Yeah. There's so many if, – if there's that many different schools that he's looking at, he has a problem with a commitment. So yeah, but let's, I, me let's let the, let's let the fine co-host of this program, Trey Patterson, I hope he's back now. Trey, what do you think about all this? Well, Carmen, I guess uh, I think one uh, you come on, back to the issue of the early enrollment. You know, I'm not sure who it's going to benefit because I mean I think it, Jonathan brought up a good point. You know, it will help out some of the small schools in some aspects where you have the three star, you know, from you from you know from UCF or whatever, who all of a sudden comes on everybody else's radar because some other kid flips off Alabama's roster or Florida State's roster. And so now they have this three-star, you know, who they can go out and grab, basically. It happened, you know, to happen with Florida State this past year with that offensive tackle. Uh, sorry. But uh, the other way I think it could right. benefit against those teams, Tarvin, is then, you know, you get Alabama to pressure these guys on a, on a home visit, and they have, you know, ten guys wrapped up, you know, super early. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's some good points. And, guys, everybody has their opinion on this, and it's wonderful, but, you know, you have to talk from college football. And, and, you know, I know Jonathan's a betting man, and he wants to talk some uh, some odds of actually championships this year in college football. <laughs> How's that sound, Jonathan? I'm, try, I'm trying to log in to my account to be able to to pull this information uh, up. Cuervo, uh, so I've, Cuervo, been, I've been uh, looking at the updated lines for a while. Cuervo, I don't know how much you – what do you think the odds Tennessee uh, – win the championship this year? Oh, I'd say it's probably got to be about 20 to 1. I don't think they're very good. Um, they're still rebuilding, but, yeah, I mean, it's probably pretty low. 20 to 1. Higher. Probably. 20,000 to 1. I really don't know. Yeah, I'll, 250 I'll tell you in a to 1. And if you don't study this, Cuervo, then you don't, you don't know it. You know what I mean? And it's weird because some of these teams um, – I was trying to find it. Some of the teams, we'll do the NFL too, but uh, sorry, I was trying to pull this up. Did we lose Cuervo or are you still there? Uh, I'm still I'm still here, Tarvin. Okay, okay, good. Well, I don't know why it's not pulling up the college. Okay, here it is. Um, Jonathan, I don't know if you know, but Florida State looks like the favorite at plus 250 to repeat mm-hmm. as champions. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah, I... When you return a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, you return, you know, top you you top you know two of your top three receivers, your top tight end, four of your starting offensive linemen, most of your defense. That's gonna happen. We're gonna get those odds, and I understand those odds. And in all honesty, I'm probably gonna throw money on that. But repeat champions, look. We're not all Alabama. We're not going to get the luck of the draw every year. Something always happens to any team. Just as Alabama last year, one second later. Well, Cuervo, I don't know if this will surprise you, but the second team that's favored to win the championship is Alabama 
Does that surprise you? Alabama's at plus five five oh five fifty. Auburn's at plus eighteen hundred. That sounds a little weird, doesn't it? It it does, and I mean I don't see how Alabama's odds are are so good to to re, you know to win again because I mean not even Nick Saban knows who his quarterback is going to be. So how are you going to how are you going to make them the second favorite in all of college football to win the national title? I I think it's just it's the name that that that's why the odds are so good because of the name they've won three out of the past five and I mean you know. People, you know, first for a lot of people, it's the safe bet. Well, have fun losing your money because I don't see Alabama winning this year. Well, I can tell you Oregon, why the odds second. are high. And Cuervo hit it on the head. The name. It's the name. It's just like when you look at uh, the NFL, New England Patriots spreads are going to be higher than they should be because New England Patriot fans are always going to bet their team. Uh, it, it, Alabama's the name. Uh, and Jacob Coker, Winston back of last year, is going to be the starting quarterback at Alabama. I, I, I figure we should all, you know, get that out of the way yeah. now. Whatever he's, whatever Saban says, Coker's going to start. But also, you know, when you look at this, for people out there like Oregon, that made me laugh when I saw Oregon was third. And you, you get tired of hearing about Oregon in a championship because you know it's never going to happen. But mm-hmm. I think they went by looking at the schedule. So when you – you look at Alabama, Auburn, LSU, teams like that, they have a tougher road, honestly, to make it. And there's, there's no doubt about that. The road's tougher. Florida State's road's easier. Oregon's road's oh, easier than some of the – and I think that's why they look at it. Georgia's plus 4,000. And and I'm going to give you all, when football season gets closer here, give you a team that, okay. that could be a, a good bet. And, you know, Jonathan, Mississippi State out there, plus 5,500. I know you're probably laughing right now, but, I mean – you bet on Mississippi State, and you a hundred bucks on them to win a championship. You're gonna have a lot of money. I would rather put my hundred on Georgia. I think Georgia's got great value there for at four thousand. I've already looked at their schedule, and I think out of the top dogs in the SEC, uh, they have the easiest road um, to the playoffs. Yeah, but they have no quarterback. They That's got the, Hunter. Yeah, but He's Mississippi to, but State could be. A, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, you don't know. I mean, you don't know. I mean, but but Cuervo, going back to the Tennessee Volunteers plus fifty five hundred. I mean, that's not too bad if you want to put a hundred bucks on your Vols, man. You win a championship, you could take that vacation you always wanted to. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't know what website you guys are on, but for the on sportsbook, Tennessee's at ten thousand or you know plus ten thousand as far as the the payoff. Uh, so was that a hundred and one? If I'm not mistaken. It's going to it vary. It's going to vary per bookie. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, though. You know which one surprises me? That uh, at least on on this website, UCLA at twenty to one. Like really? Well, I, I mean, maybe because um, they got their quarterback coming back, right? I forget his name now. Yep. But, yeah. Unley. Um, Unley, I think his name is, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's an interesting one. UCLA. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to bet. I'm going to go ahead and put $1,000 right now on BYU at plus 5500 That's where my money is going, Jonathan. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Is it 1984 all over? I don't know. And, Trey, who are you Who are you going to put 100 on? Everybody's required to put $100 on a team. 
You know, if I'm going to have to put a hundred dollars on it, and we're saying it can't be Florida State, um, I'll say that uh, what's what's Florida's odds? Oh, That's a good one, Trey. Trey. That's a good one, Trey. Fifty five hundred. I'm saying it could be. Yeah, and you got to look at a bounce back team in the SEC. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they got Driscoll back. I mean, you have all your haters, and believe me, I'm a Florida State hater on Driscoll. But I mean, the guy is, you know, he's coming back. He's got the experience. You know, the Florida defense is going to be just fine. Uh, so if Driscoll can produce Florida's schedule. You know, not the easiest, but you know, why not Florida? Hey, Clemson plus five thousand guys. Clemson is one of those teams. They play in a a weaker conference. I mean, you know, they have to beat Florida State and South Carolina. If they can win those two games, they could be in the fight. So you have to remember, everybody. You, all you have to do is get to the Final Four, and then your odds really get a lot better. So Clemson could be that team. I don't know. They lost a lot, but looking at their schedule, Jonathan, plus 5,000, that could be a decent bet. Yeah, I'm not making that bet. You're you're asking me to put money on Clemson to win at Georgia to beat Florida State and South Carolina with a, with a freshman quarterback? Come on now. <laughs> Or Let's Texas be realistic, Carvin. Let's be realistic. Texas A&M, no Jeff, no Evans, no Manziel, um, no offensive line plus fifty five hundred. I no think defense. I'd save my hundred. I would, I would put mine on Tennessee Cuervo before I would Texas A&M. Would you? Mm-hmm. Oh, of course I would. Of course I would. But um, I'm looking. There's, there's a team that I've got my eye on right here, and. I mean, everybody's going to be talking about them all year because everybody's going to be interested to see how they bounce back with a new head coach. But um, when we're talking national title, uh, I want to see how, how you know how far ta- Charlie Strong can take Texas in his first year over there, down in Austin. That's going to be interesting. Six and in my six. Opinion. You think? Six not six. Well, well, why not look at Oklahoma? Oh yeah, oh, Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Everybody's going to be on the bandwagon because of the way they they won the Sugar Bowl and things like that. Oklahoma is one of those teams where they will they will let you down, you know. In my opinion, it's, that was the big win they've had in what eight years. I mean, they haven't done a whole lot in in eight years. Big yeah. Bob. Hey guys, hey, guys. Hey, Tom, I'm I'm I got you one, buddy. All right, go ahead. I got you one, buddy. Week schedule, returning phenom quarterback, Notre Dame. Auburn. Hey, uh, <laughs> Notre Dame, Dame. and Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> Auburn, week schedule, uh, great quarterback. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame plus 4,500. You know, Trey, honestly, I'm not saying this because you said this. I thought about that yesterday, looking at their quarterback coming back, the defense. Van Gorder is going to be the yeah. defensive quarterback at Notre Dame, and guys, he's good. He just got caught in a bad situation at Auburn uh, two years ago, but he's a very good defensive coordinator. Trey has had two good ones so far. The rest of you suck. Trey's had Florida, <laughs> Trey's had Florida, Notre Dame, and those are the two best by far out of all of us, guys. No doubt about it. Because Trey's a traitor. He's not a Florida State fan. Tino <laughs> had you picked right. Tino had you pegged right. Uh-oh. Wow. Oh, that's a low wow. blow, Trey. 
Well, I think I started out with if I can't pick Florida State, then I think the two long shots are yeah. Florida and Notre Dame. And think about Notre Dame to give to give you to get into the Final Four, Tarvin, or whatever we're going to call this four, is not going to be hard. I think the pollsters always love Notre Dame. Now they have a tougher they have to beat schedule. Florida State and Tallahassee. Yeah, I said they have a tougher schedule. Uh, they got they got some tough guys on there, but I mean, if Notre Dame were to do anything, you got to think that it, you know they have a shot to get in there with a loss or two. Well, Cuervo, Guys, just I'll put a thousand on the FSU. They'll repeat. <laughs> hey, Cuervo, I'll start with you in the NFL. Who do you think the top two teams favored to win the Super Bowl are? And it doesn't have to be AFC, NFC. Just who are the top two teams in your opinion? I know. Uh, off the top of my head, I would probably have to say Seattle to repeat and San Francisco. I mean, I think those are Bingo. Bingo. They got it. Well, those two are the top, and then let's move to the third one would be Denver at plus 800. I mean, really what this is saying to me, Jonathan, is it's a it's really a two-team race again. It's going to be Seattle or San Francisco is what they're trying to tell us. And for your information, Cuervo, Chicago plus 2,600, Carolina plus 1,800, uh, and I'm looking at some other teams, the Patriots plus 850, so – Denver and, and New England are the third and fourth. Tampa Bay is plus 5,000. They're at the bottom almost. Put my money down. On, on who? Tampa? Riding that, riding that lovey bandwagon. <laughs> and lovey we trust Trey. to an 8-8 eight eight season. Hey. Uh, Trey, Patterson, <laughs> Trey Patterson out there. Give me a team in the NFL that, that could, could be <clears throat> one of those teams that could win a Super Bowl that really nobody's talking about right now. Well, I'll give you I'll give you two, Tarvin. Uh, one is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, with everything going on, you talking about long shots? I'm not I'm not about long shots. I'm not, I'm not talking about the, the wheelhouse. I, mean, I can give you Carolina, but I mean, come on, people are talking about Carolina. Uh, but long shot, Tarvin. I think uh, with, with everything going on with Chip Kelly and the Eagles, uh, I think you could see a sophomore slump there, and, and I think it would surprise people if Dallas were really good. And then the second one, Tarvin, uh, what, and what if, talking about, about a really long shot, how about the Jets? Mm. Oh, my God. Hey, they're plus 5,000. Yeah, come on, yeah, long how, shot how, here. How about the Raiders, man? 6,000, Cuervo. I said long yeah, shot, Tarvin, not impossibility. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> what, what, what about Houston? So no, that's a good one. They're three thousand. Three thousand. They're a and team that that are they're they're better than their record was last year. They had a lot of injuries. Plus three thousand. Pretty good odds, Jonathan. Uh, consider what they have on their team, the talent. Oh yeah, I mean you have to look at Houston definitely, and I would say you haven't mentioned Green Bay and Atlanta, who we all know is better than the record was last year. I mean Houston, Atlanta, Green Bay, I think are three teams that. You look at it and go, well, those are better teams than they were last year. Rodgers was hurt. Atlanta, everybody was hurt. And Houston, well, yeah, let's just try and find somebody who's not going to throw a pick six every game. Yeah. Trey, the, the uh, Washington Redskins plus 4,500. You never know. Could RG3 find some life and, and win a Super Bowl? Um, that's, that's the thing is, Tarvin, there's a lot of teams that were way down last year, and, and we know the NFL, and, it, and there's going to be a couple teams that come out of nowhere or 
you know, they're dead last in their division or certainly were, any, were anywhere near the postseason. They're going to make it next year. That's kind of the way it happens every year. So you got to look at these teams with uh, with possibilities of, you know, either quarterbacks or teams that are greatly undervalued uh, or the opposite of that, mm-hmm. you know, people who are way overvalued and, and maybe looking to be replaced in the, in the postseason. Cuervo, I have you won. Yeah, Cuervo, I have you won. Arizona plus 3,000. Oh, that's decent. You know, I I, I kind of like that. However, you you'll you have to look at the division they play in. But that, that that's the division I wanted to get to. You know, the other team that nobody talks about is a team I really like. As long as they nail this draft with the number two pick this year, I think St. Louis could make some noise. But boy, yeah. it's going to be tough because of because of their the division that they play in with Seattle and San Fran. I mean, but if if they can get some impact guys in this draft, maybe even get a free agent to come over to St. Louis, then I think the Rams could could really make a little bit of noise this year too. What are the odds Seattle yeah. doesn't make the playoffs? Because I'll place my bet on that. Yeah, that, that's a perfect thing, Jonathan. I'm I really looking at that division. My God, I don't I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. That's a very good point there. And uh, you, you said Pittsburgh a minute ago. That's a team that plus twenty eight hundred. I would like it a little higher, but you never know about the Steelers, Trey. I mean, the, those guys can come back and play. I think they could have a bounce back year. Well, yeah, I mean, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, with a full season, is going to be incredible. Uh, and then you know what I'm, what I'm thinking about, Tarvin, as you look at the sophomore slump quarterbacks. And, you know, I think well, you know, some of these guys are coming into their second year. Uh, some of these guys are going to their third year. You know, how, how's that going to be? You know, certainly Cuervo brings up a great point. I mean, the Rams were, were pretty darn good without Sam Bradford and, you know, with their seventh-round pick. And I think what Zach Stacey was either a sixth or seventh-round pick starting at running back. Um, mm-hmm. So they were kind of pieced together this year. I mean, I think Daryl Richardson was supposed to be their starter. I think he, and he was almost Mr. Irrelevant. So, I mean, they've been throwing guys out there. Um, so if St. Louis can put together a really good draft and, you know, stealing those picks from Washington, uh, then they could make that interesting. And that could equate to, you know, one of the favorites in Seattle or San Francisco uh, being out of the playoffs. I mean, not this past year, but the year past that. I mean, the Rams did very well against Seattle and Frisco. I mean, that was mm-hmm. one of their points building towards this past year that didn't work out. Hey, I have an announcement to make, guys, and everybody listen here. I've been flirting with it the last three parlays. I had a five-team college basketball parlay tonight, Jonathan. I know you'd get a kick out of that, but Nebraska, Nebraska just just hit it tonight. So, twenty twenty bucks on a five-team parlay pays pretty well, Jonathan. You 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 bet it it pays pretty well. Congratulations <laughs> on the cash! Wow, very nice. Thank you. And to just announce the teams, guys, I, I mean, I've been four out of five the last three. And then this one, finally, I've been so close. And I hit Maryland plus four, Michigan State plus two and a half. They lost by two, so I won by half. Syracuse minus two today against Florida State. Nebraska plus two and a half. And Minnesota minus seven. They won that by about 15 or 16. So, Trey, what do you think about that five-teamer? I think if you're going to hit it, buddy, you can share the wealth. But most, you know, I mean, come on. I think a little co-host love is, is, is needed after that money comes in. Uh, what do you think, Jonathan? Give him, give him a half of it. What do you think? 
Did he give you any of the picks? No. One percent. One percent of four hundred dollars is what, Trey? Four dollars. Three hundred and seventy dollars. I like his math. Yeah, Trey, I love your math. Will you do my taxes this year, please? Yeah, you owe me a lot of money in taxes too. <laughs> and, and the good thing about this, guys, the IRS has nothing to do with it, right? <laughs> well, why final thoughts tonight on a topic here, and, and Trey, I'll start with you. Bo Pelini gets a contract extension at Nebraska. I mean, I thought this guy was out the door this year in college football. He he beats Georgia in a bowl game, which is not a surprise, really, but why are they giving him an extension? Well, I mean, there's two points to this, and, and you, you know you know my point, which is, you know, Bo Pelini needs to go. Uh, he has averaged nine wins, I think, a year in Nebraska since he's been there, and, you know, averaging nine wins in Nebraska is pretty darn good, but the point is, uh, with him is Nebraska's a, a team that could average nine wins, but then break out for twelve and be considered a national powerhouse. I mean, this is a te- this is a university that kind of deserves, based on those traditions. I mean, this is a school that won back-to-back titles not too long ago. I mean, you know, at least during our life our lifespan. You know, so, Tarvin, I just think they they need a coach who can get them over that nine to ten win bump, and I don't think Bo Pelini is it. Cuervo, what do you think about this extension? I mean, this guy did a lot of things in the media, you know, talking bad about, you know, remember he was on tape cussing, saying everybody there could do a a few things I won't say on the air, but how did he get an extension? Your guess is as good as mine, Tarvin, because I I have no idea. I mean, just like you, I was like, there's no way he comes back to Nebraska after he embarrassed himself in the program, and, well, I had pretty obvious Nebraska doesn't really care much about their reputation or it doesn't seem like it. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I guess maybe their thinking is, hey, if we get rid of Bo Pelini, who are we going to replace him with? We, I mean, they're going to they're gonna bring the offensive coordinator up. They're going to bring the defensive coordinator up. And then now you're asking for, you know, a five to six win season as opposed to, uh, you know, possibly nine wins. So I think that's – I think uh, – this is just a, uh, you know, uh, how do I say it? This is just a one year to get by to try and find that, that you know, that long-term coach that they want to bring in. So, um, you know, I, I guess, you, you know, Nebraska maybe played it smart by giving them just one year to go find the coach that they really want and then let them go after this year. Maybe that's their plan. Jonathan? Well, Bo Pelini has won nine games every year he's been at Nebraska, and that's a feat that most coaches can't say. Um, the problem is that fan base wants 11, 12, 13, 14-win seasons, and Bo obviously cannot get over that hump uh, when it comes to that. His recruiting has been lackluster, and people are going to tell me, well, it's hard to recruit in Nebraska. Well, it's Nebraska. You're selling the name. You know, Tom Osborne, three championships in four years, Tommy Frazier, you know, you're, you're really selling a name there. Um, but that that becomes the question. You fire Bo Pelini, who are you going to replace him with? It's going to be hard to bring in somebody because at this point, Nebraska's lost that name recognition when it comes to when you think of Nebraska, you think of a nine-win team now. You don't think of, of a team that's a national championship uh, contender. I mean, you got to remember, Nebraska, when they won those titles, we're talking like 10, 20 years ago, 
it, 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 it's not like, you know, it was five years ago. We're not talking about, you know, Auburn or Alabama, Florida State, LSU, teams that, you know, Florida, teams that have won them recently. Or we're, we're talking about, you know, a lot of these kids that he's recruiting now, some of them weren't even born for those national titles. Yeah, I, I just think the guy's in over his head, really. And if your expectations are to win a championship, which they are at Nebraska, and I know you said nine wins, Jonathan, but look at their schedule. If you look at that schedule they played the last few years, you should get nine wins easy and and still not keep your job. But if you're going to win a national championship, I think you need a better coach. I just don't think he's mentally all the way there enough to take a team 14, 15 games to win a championship. So I just think you're with the wrong guy. And, and who do you hire? I don't know. I mean, go out there and find somebody that's hungry, that maybe nobody knows a lot about that could come in and, and provide a spark. But Bo Pelini, my God, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't recruit well. I mean, his offenses are not great. His defenses, I mean, they're the pink shirts now instead of the black shirts. So I don't know. I just think it's time to, to cut ties with him, guys. But anything you want to talk about before we go, Trey? No, man, I'm, I'm going to put the kids to bed. It was a good night, guys. All right. Cuervo, any final thoughts? Uh, no, no final thoughts. I mean, you know, good show tonight. I appreciate you letting me on. Uh, it was good, good talk. All right. Jonathan, anything you want to say before we go? Football season is right around the corner. I am so stoked. I've been wheeling and dealing in my, in my dynasty league. I've been looking at future bets. If you want to talk about, you know, how many teams they're going to win, um, you know, their win totals, which some some of these totals I've seen are ridiculous. Uh, I, I just can't wait. I love baseball. It gets me by because, I mean, all honesty, pro basketball doesn't get me excited anymore. And right now I'm trying to relearn hockey after all these trades. So, I mean, baseball season, hurry up, please. Jonathan, when is opening day? Uh, opening day is March 22nd in Australia between the Los Angeles Doyers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> well, at four in the morning, the season will start on the 27th. And they actually play a doubleheader, 4 a.m. and 10 p.m. <laughs> and and Jonathan, yeah. I, Jonathan, Jonathan, I bet you'll be up at 4 a.m. to watch that, too. Maybe. You will. I know you, but I, I love I love going to games early in the season. You know when it's cool here in Atlanta. Uh, and remember, Atlanta's not playing down in Turner Field anymore, are they? They moved. Um, they're they're going to be playing they're somewhere still in else. Turner until 2017. Until 2017. Yeah, that's when they leave. Okay, for some reason I don't know why I was thinking that that they were already making that move, but. I'm glad they're not, so I don't have to sit in traffic to go watch the Braves play anymore. I can just ride the train for a couple more years at least. So I'm at, I love going to baseball guys early in the season. I mean, you got that cool air, a little bit cool. Get the hot dogs, the cold beer, whatever you want out there, man. It's just awesome to, to spend a day at the park. So Cuervo, you, hey, you need to, to come Florida to Atlanta. Spring training. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Y'all need to come to Atlanta and catch a game with me. Oh, yeah, definitely. And before Cuervo moves to California, he needs to come to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, before uh, before I leave uh, Chicago, I do plan on making one more trip down south. So 
I'll definitely get with you, and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll arrange something. Yeah, we definitely will. But, guys, thanks for joining us tonight. We'll be back on the air Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And, Jonathan, just for you, I promise we'll talk some baseball, okay? Yay. All right, guys. Well, have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday. All right, Tarvin. Have a good one. All right, you too. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.